0: Thanks for listening. My name is Kentucky Costello, and this is the Wild East Women interview series. In our third episode of this series, I catch up with Debbie Dunkel, Debbie is a trans woman hiker from Maine, who told me so many hilarious and wonderful stories about her experience hiking the Appalachian Trail as a long section hiker, finally finishing in 2017. Happy early International Women's
1: Day. Absolutely. And same to you. My name is Deborah Donkel. I live in Holden, Maine. I am retired. Throughout my lifetime, I have done home repairs, I've done car repairs, I've run a local home sales franchise, pretty much ran the gamut of mostly male type occupations, and kept myself busy. I went attended a West Virginia University. Awesome. Very cool.
0: So we kind of talked a little bit about this, just in our emailing back and forth. um, But I was wondering if you could share with our listeners um, your first memory of the outdoors.
1: Oh my goodness. Yes, I can. My father, who was just a sainted man, I wish he had lived longer, really wanted to get me to know the outdoors. And from my youngest childhood, he would take me to my uncle's farm and we'd walk the woods or he'd take me boating and and hiking at Bluestone State Park. And we'd done a lot of exploring of West Virginia backwoods and and waters. It was was just such a marvelous, wonderful time.
0: Sounds like a wonderful memory. I haven't heard of Bluestone. Do you say it was Bluestone State Park?
1: It is Bluestone State Park. It's located in Hinton, West Virginia. And it is a man-made impoundment put up by Bluestone Lake, which was put there for flood control.
0: Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. I haven't I haven't heard of that one yet. Um, I have explored a little bit of West Virginia. Um, I went to a really beautiful, um, I want to say it was possibly a Jerry Garcia themed campground called Sunshine oh. Daydream. I don't know if you've
1: heard. Sort of, of yeah, maybe, maybe sort of.
0: Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that memory. It's so nice to hear um, people's different first experiences of the outdoors. And it's cool to also to imagine how the first interaction with the outdoors might shape the rest of your life. You know, it's, it's neat to hear those stories. So thank you for sharing that. You're absolutely um, welcome. <laughs> um, so could you tell us a little bit about your relationship to the Appalachian Trail? and to other public lands and outdoor spaces?
1: When I was probably seven or eight, my father took me and we went to a trip in Virginia and we walked a little piece of the Appalachian Trail and he told me the history of it. And I knew it was something that he would have always loved to do, but at that time he was dying of, of uh, metastatic bone cancer, mm-hmm. he was really having a really bad time. But he really showed me that trail and different trails. And he taught me to listen for birds and he'd imitate them. And, oh, it was just such a wonderful time. And after that, I kind of just got a dream of hiking trails like that and did section hikes and this and that. I hiked the Allegheny Trail through West Virginia, which is absolutely beautiful. You might like that one if you like a remote trail. You might do all 380 miles of it, not see anyone else, except when you go to get resupply. And getting that resupply involves a little process of trying to figure out how to get there, because it's often Twenty or thirty miles to the, to to where a store is, and then it may have food for fishermen, and it's lo- mostly cans. So you have Absolutely. to think it through.
0: Wow, interesting! Wow, that I, yeah, I haven't heard of that one. I've heard of um, different Allegheny uh, mentions with the Appalachian Trail in that area, but I didn't. I haven't never heard of that trail. I'll have to check that out. Um, so, you, so you're saying that you're, you're in the wilderness and you have to hike another like 30 or 40 miles into a town. So it's Or hitchhike. Or hitchhike, okay. So incredibly, incredibly remote. Yes. Wow. Um,
1: you mentioning, if you're familiar with the Appalachian, the Allegheny actually joins it right outside, right right, right uh, at the border of, of West Virginia, it begins there and goes back through down through West Virginia. So they actually join.
0: Okay, cool, neat, I didn't know that. Maybe that's what I've heard other people referencing. Cool, awesome. Um, So um, you shared with me that you have done some hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that and your experience on the trail?
1: Sure. I've actually section hiked the entire Appalachian Trail and long sections, what we call lashes. I started at Springer Mountain in Georgia, March the 9th, 2011. So I was a member of the class of 2011, planning to through hike. Unfortunately, I have joints that sometimes have other ideas. And by the time I reached Damascus, Virginia, I was more or less hobbling. I took way longer than most people do because I was totally unprepared at that point in time for what I was getting into. It was an amazing journey though. And I hiked with uh, a few other people through there, particularly um, Deb McDish, whose trail name is Teach. She's given me permission to use her name. Um, we had a good time. I started out with a group of three women who were, that we'd met up online through the ATE and, and at Southern Rock, I'm, I met one of them, with the idea that we, we group would hike together. but. It didn't work out. Um, The other two women really didn't get along with me. Um, I don't think they really, well, one of them had some idea of what was going on with the trail, but neither one of them were ready or prepared and and blamed. I actually put the blame on me for for trying to tell them this and trying to tell them that. And I'm like, all I'm telling you is where the next water is and we're gonna have to climb this before you get there. (laughs) You know, so yeah.
0: Okay, so the person that you spoke about, um, did you say teach, like T-E-A-C-H?
1: Yes, she's a, she's a retired teacher from, uh, gosh, I think she lives in New Jersey.
0: Cool, awesome. So the two of you kind of bonded a little bit more than the other folks in that group and then um, carried on together?
1: We carried on together for a ways. Um, At one point, we got separated and never never really hooked back up. That just became because of a difference in hiking speed and style, which happens. And it's normal unless you really set out committed to hike exactly together and and everybody's going to take zeros at the same time. It happens. So...
0: Gotcha. that's good to know. I've I've talked with my partner. We've been together for a little more than ten years at this point, and we've talked about hiking together. Um, but she walks a lot faster than me, uh, so <laughs> I'm always concerned that that would be a point of contention, you know. Um, but it, it's nice to hear that that's something that just happens uh, naturally with people's oh. own rhythm, and it's not something necessarily to um, take personally. So.
1: Well, can I jump out of sequence here for a minute? And instead of going on to the next section of the trail, I finished the trail the last no, two or 300 miles or so, and also the last section of Pennsylvania, which I had a mishap and, had, and I can get, with a girl named Katherine Brown. Her trail name is Painted Lady, and she lives in Wisconsin, I believe, right up there anyway. Um, And our hiking style was different as well. And that reason I'm jumping out is to explain what happens in that situation. What we would do is whoever needed, I'm faster uphill, she's faster down. What we would do, we would say, okay, we're gonna go to um, Chairback Mountain Shelter tonight. Um, And We'd take off and maybe we'd hike together some of the time. Maybe we would hike by ourselves sometimes. But what we did do, when we came to a dangerous section and in a hundred mile wilderness where that chairback mountain shelter is, there's a lot of dangerous sections. But if we came to dangerous climb or dangerous descent or a trail that branched off, or some one of us could get confused, the other person would stop and wait to help the other person up. Because we're both in our, we were both seniors. Catherine's actually older than I am. And she was back out because she had been unable to finish her her through hike before, and she was finishing up herself. So it worked out perfectly for us.
0: Awesome. And how old were you when you hiked the trail? It was in 2017 that you you did your...
1: When I I finished. So I'm 68 now, so that made me 64, 65, something in that neighborhood. Awesome. I hadn't really thought about the math.
0: Yeah, cool. I'm wondering, so I think um, the experience of hiking the Appalachian Trail, like as someone who is perceived as, um, you know, uh, not the I'm doing air quotes here for those who are listening, the stereotypical hiker, did you feel accepted on the trail? Like, did you feel like people were uh, were were respectful to you? Do you feel um, just like, as, like, a, a woman of you know age and wisdom, like, what was that experience like for you to, to deal with um the different like age variations on the trail? Was there any sort of anything that came up for you with that?
1: For the most part, I was accepted but not befriended, and that can also be, be because the ADHD, because I don't, as a rule, make friends that easily. It was really amazing that I made friends with the hiking partners and bonded as well. And that. We still speak and are friends today. Um, I did have some negative problems as, as a trans woman. Um, the first one was when I first started out in Georgia. Um, there was one guy who's just like, So you're what, a, tra- uh, a transvestite or something? And I'm like, Yeah, I guess because I'm a woman, I'm more a, a woman, and because I'm wearing mostly male hiking gear because I'm so tall, that's what fits me. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say that. And he just looked like, what. <laughs> but anyway, my biggest problem were people that wanted to talk too much and spread, st- and, and, and there was one particular hiker and she hiked with a big group. And I'm not really fond of large groups hiking on the Appalachian Trail and I know the ATTC, ATC discourages it, but this group was actually large enough that they called themselves the Traveling Village. And this one girl, just anything got in her brain, she just talked about it to everybody, whether she knew them or not, and just chattered away. And she was telling everybody here here, and in here and Yon that there was this transgender woman hiking the trail and to watch out that you'll she'll, that she'll meet her and let, let me know what you think. And I didn't have any problems with her. But I slowed down a little bit and let the village go on up ahead. I didn't also didn't want to continue to associate with her, so. Gotcha. And I certainly didn't want to be in a trail town with her. Sure. Because while the because while the. I didn't really have any conflicts with people on the trail, and other people in the group were telling her to shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, in a trail town where people don't, aren't necessarily as accepting, it could have been an issue. Mm-hmm. although for the most part, I didn't have any issues in trail towns, even ones I expected. The one trail town I dreaded was Irwin, Tennessee, because I'd heard stories about rednecks and and this and that in Irwin, Tennessee, and I was going to Uncle Johnny's when I got in there, and I was dreading getting in there, and Johnny was so good to me, and, and it actually turned out that he had someone who was In the transgender spectrum working for him (laughs) so it really worked out yes
0: what a nice surprise
1: it was a totally nice surprise
0: yeah
1: the only other negative thing that happened to me and it actually didn't happen to me is i hiked with with a woman in virginia across the virginia highlands she was a photographer and wanted to hike the the highlands she was scared to try to do it alone when she first gave me her dream about doing it she couldn't hardly walk around her mobile home. And I told her, I said, if you keep working at it, you get get your stamina up and get to where you can, we'll do a practice hike through through um, Massachusetts across Mount Greylock to Southern Rock. And if you can do that, um, I, w- I will get w- w- work with you and we'll get you up over the Highlands. So we did, we went th- went across the Highlands and she went to Bland Virginia to go home because she had such black blisters and she was just done. Mm-hmm. And God bless her because she did such a good job and every most people would and would have used conventional wisdom and say, there's no way you can do this. She was 5, 4'11 tall, um, probably 180 pounds. She was carrying a monstrous pack that 85 liter pack full of camera gear, so it weighed about 55 pounds. She had fibromyalgia, emphysema, lupus, and asthma. And I took her up over over well over 5,000 feet going across there and she had no problems whatsoever except that we had to go at her pace. But when we got to Bland, we checked in a room together and we were walking over to get something to eat. And people didn't yell anything at me, but they yelled, they yelled Leslie and, and stuff to her and I've heard that happens to groups of women hiking on the trail that some of these towns young young guys will do that assume your orientation is wrong. but I gotta admit the trail community as a whole is 100% supportive of women you may find some that are wanting to hook up with you It's yeah but they're supportive Everybody is working for the same goal. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, old, young, you know, as group or one hiker, everybody is hiking the same thing. I hiked a little section with a guy and I knew he had a little bit of money because he was having a truck shuttle to the trailheads. And when we got there, you know, it was an older truck, but he was doing that. And then we'd draft the hostel and then he'd have it shuttled to the next place. So that was cool. And I found out just how much and how what a neat guy he was. It was one young girl hiker that was hiking along and her shoes had flat came apart and she didn't have enough money to get another pair of shoes. And he sent and bought her the very very top uh, line of Solomon hiking shoes, best ones you could get at that time.
0: Wow. And,
1: yeah. So.
0: That's really sweet. So that's a thoughtful, thoughtful way of supporting, supporting women on the trail.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um. All right. Do you have a trail name?
1: I do. I'm known as Pippi Longstockings. Um, and that happened in, in georgia i had one of those scandinavian style caps with the braids on it that came down like this and when it was warm enough i actually put my hair hair, hair up and tails like this so they started calling me pippy and i liked it and the stock and i haven't changed it i had started out just hiker chick but there's a thousand hiker chicks that hike the trail so i kind of liked it i did have an experience in the 100 mile wilderness and and after it happened, I studied on changing my name because it would have been cool. So, and the name I could have changed it to was Walks into Moose. (laughs) How in the world does anybody do that? And you'd have to understand the trail in the 100. It's all roots and rocks and mud and you're constantly looking at your feet and it's a narrow path in between these fir trees and it's we- and it swings around rocks and it's just weaving. And I'm looking down and I'm trying to hurry to catch up with Catherine because she'd gone on ahead. I'd taken a nature break. Swung around this tree, clacking along with my hiking poles and swamp. Oh shoot, that's a moose. <laughs> I jumped back about eight or 10 feet and I looked at this moose It's a bull moose. His antlers are still in velvet. And he just looked at me and he turned, almost cocked his head like, silly hiker. And I just looked at him and grabbed my camera and took three pictures of the moose and cocked my head and said, silly moose. I know you heard me coming, clacking along with these poles. You're standing there making no noise at all, huh?
0: (laughs) That is such a good story.
1: It was fun. And people said, well, you know, that could have been dangerous and it very much could have been. Yeah, but it was early enough in the spring because when we were doing this that he was still in velvet had it been in the fall when he was when he was you know randy and, and out in the rut i would not have wanted to walk into a moose oh yeah totally different story <laughs> Yeah, isn't it
0: <laughs> i love that thank you for sharing that that's like absolutely that's a really good story i i i haven't seen a moose yet in person um, but it is it's on my like list of life goals. Um, there's like certain, it's kind of like, have you ever heard of this is, I'm gonna out myself as a total nerd here, but have you ever heard of the, the video game Pokemon Go? Yes. So the concept is that you go around to different locations and you catch these different species of Pokemon. Yes. And I love it because the scientist in me is like, oh, this is teaching people, um, you know, taxonomy, um, you know, there's different species and different habitats, mm-hmm. etc. Oh, so yeah. I personally love it, but I have kind of a real-life list of, like, Pokemon that I need to catch um, or, or see in real life, um, and Moose is definitely, like, on that list like a hundred percent.
1: I will send you a picture of a moose.
0: Yeah, send me a a photo. I will actually
1: send you a picture of the moose and you can see how narrow that trail is going through there.
0: Please send me that photo and I will include it in this story because I feel like every one of our listeners needs to see this famed moose, absolutely. What do you feel that you most value um, about spending time in the outdoors?
1: It's healing for me. I don't know if you would call me totally earth-centered but i'm definitely feel like the earth is a religious experience to me um and hiking is a meditative activity in its own way it's repetitive your endorphins are flowing and you're just going and especially until you get into the really rocky places um a lot of the trail until new hampshire is you can just get into just get into a rhythm and just and just go you don't have to totally focus on the trail. I mean, you do because there's rocks, but it doesn't have to be 100% of your, of your mind doesn't have to be there. And you have time to just think. And you have time to heal. A lot of people that have had deaths in their family or grieving or or having some depression issues will come out and hike the, hike the trail for that experience and for that healing. And it's a very common um story to hear someone uh an older hiker on the trail why are you out here on the trail well my wife died and i'm out here trying to seek um see healing and you know it's very common
0: yeah absolutely
1: that's a piece of why i'm going back out by the way because i lost a daughter a year ago and i was really yeah
0: So sorry to hear that. Loss is really hard. I'm also going through that myself right now. I just lost one of my dearest friends about two weeks ago. So very suddenly. Um, so my heart is with you. I'm so sorry to hear that. I know that it takes time to heal and, and everything, but um, it's definitely grief is something that comes in waves. And I don't think that the healing process necessarily is, is linear
1: at all so it is not, and all those platitudes sometimes that people say well it'll get better it'll this and that um and Tom you internalize it but it's always there yeah I still feel the loss of my father yeah and he died when I was nine and a half years old so
0: yeah I think of it kind of as like if all the people you love kind of like make up your heart and then they pass it's like they're still there but but there's almost like this like place where they were that feels a little bit hollow and it doesn't get filled by anyone else it's just kind of there at least that's been my experience with with those that i've lost
1: i would agree with that they live on in your heart and so they never just go from your memory they're always with you um that that can be if you internalize it correctly and and process it can become a positive thing because they're there with you to support you but it can also be a burden that you're carrying all this weight especially if you're if you're not only grieving but carrying some guilt for one reason or another some you know i wish i'd been able to say well this or that or yeah
0: would you
1: like to tell a story about your daughter? Kathy, Our mother and I ended up getting divorced when she was fairly young, but she was a really neat ch- girl as a child. She loved to do dance and things. And she loved to just be a family person. And if you ask her kids what they, what they loved about her most, they, they would say that she was such a family person. And of all my daughters, I would say she was probably the most family oriented. Everybody was her family. Even her friends became her family. That was who she was. Unfortunately, she developed a substance issue and it caused her problems later in life. Is that part, part of what killed her? Maybe, but she died from a heart defect. How many,
0: how many daughters do you have?
1: I have three living daughters. And then of course, Kathy has died.
0: So we kind of spoke a little bit about this earlier about how women can, can support each other on the trail, but is there anything else you'd like to add, just a way that, um, that women can kind of like create this like sisterhood and, uh, and kind of look out for each other, offer support?
1: I think that you've, that you've hit on it exactly, it, that, that we need to form a sisterhood. And we need to be out there cognizant that all of us are struggling. That trail's not easy. And all of us need a shoulder to crown and somebody to listen. We're not, we're women. We're not out here trying to conquer the mountain or go faster or, or, or worry about who's got the best gear. We're out here exploring our feelings and seeking seeking you know the nate the beauty of being out there not the speed of getting through it and i really wish that i had more of that myself i had that shoulder to cry on when i need to jam will tell you that the last time i was out there i called her way too much wanting to have somebody that was a woman to talk to right because you really can't just go up to some of the guys hey you know i'm feeling this or i'm feeling that because they're like okay that's strange
0: <laughs> yeah
1: you need to get a different backpacker <laughs> that's my problem
0: and who is jan?
1: jan is my wife we fit together fairly well it's not that we never have our conflicts she has she's had a lot of issues with me with the adhd because sometimes i blurt things out and sometimes i do things that are just like debbie why did you do that um and I get, and part of ADHD is hyper-focus. And part of that hyper-focus is you can get totally focused in on one thing to the exception of everything else. And I'll stay out in the shop doing a wood carving till the wee hours in the morning or something, or, or pick up a new hobby. And for three weeks, it's all there is. And then I might not go back to it for two years.
0: Yeah, that is so relatable. So curious. What is your favorite piece of gear
1: oh gosh years past i I would have said I uh, my lightheart duo tent and I still have my original lightheart duo and it realistically probably could still serve me this year but it was getting old and the and the the bottom of the floor of it has gotten some holes some sticks and things and sometimes when it rained and water would run under the tent it would come up inside so I decided to order a brand new one. And of course, because I'd had such good luck, I ordered another one just like it. Well, Judy, that's the woman who owns Lightheart Gear, has decided to modify the tent a little bit. I'm not 100% sure. I'm on board with all the modifications. Some of them I really like. Um, One of them I'm getting used to. I haven't really been able to set the tent up, except in my living room, because it's a, it's a pole tent. You have to set it up with using your hiking poles, which is great because I can stake down four corners. I see a storm coming over the hills. I can stick in, down four corners, hop inside, stick my hiking poles up, and I'm dry. Yeah. Everybody else is still trying to get the frame together and <laughs> put the rain fly on. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, if you're going to get inside each time soon. <laughs> but um, the plus that she did do, I, she raised the height of the sidewall. So when you set up, there's more, there's more, there's more height than the ends of the tent, but she changed the vestibule and it doesn't open out as high as it did. used to be, it could, would almost go out straight out if you set it up that way and it doesn't do it. And I'm trying to get used to that and I don't know how that's going to work for me because I can't stake it down and set it up outside and try it yeah. because I would need a jackhammer to put it through the permafrost that we have for ground right
0: now. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't even imagine that. I mean, you're in such a different climate than I am right now.
1: Well, imagine this. I have a shed out there and the round froze and we get something called frost thieves. And frost thieves is when a, water, a pocket of water freezes into the dirt and causes it to swell up and raise up. Well, it blocked the door to the, to the shed. So I managed to squeeze through and went in and, and found a matic, which is like a pickaxe, but it has a wide, bl- and I got it out there, and I started trying to chip this stuff away. And it's literally like I was trying to chip chunks of granite off, little, little chips of hard, I wasn't digging in, I'm chipping pieces off. Wow,
0: that is wild. Eventually,
1: and So trying to put a, a, a tent stick in it, a tent stick? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> definitely not an easy task whatsoever at this time. <laughs> no. Cool, Um, well, my final question is, I'm just wondering if you have any advice for newbies who are hitting the trail for the first time. Is there anything that you Mm -hmm. wish you would have been told before you got to the trail?
1: Try to keep your pack weight down as much as you can. Don't sit there and perseverate and worry about bears and other people so much, that's not the thing. Um, The biggest issue you probably would have is ticks, to be cautious them. And above all, go out there, support each other and have fun. We women need to do this as a community. We need to be supportive of each other, no matter what our differences is. And I mean, just go for it because it's such a beautiful trail. Yes, it's hard. I'll not lie to you, it's hard. If you try to do it southbound, it's very hard starting out, but it's worth it. It's so beautiful.
0: Thanks for listening, and happy International Women's Day! To find out more about Debbie and her journey, read her writings at trailjournals.com/pippi-on-the-at. To get involved or find out more about Wild East Women, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wild East Women, or on our website at www.wildeastwomen.org. See you next time.